Good morning, everybody. So we've been ploughing through Paul's letters, and we're just going to go through the first couple of chapters of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians today. And a bit of context, this is a message for a young church, and so we could also perhaps read it as a message for you if you are a young or a new believer. And to start off with today, why don't you just take a minute and just read chapter 1. It's only 10 verses, it's not too much. And just note down anything that stands out to you about the Thessalonians, about what Paul is saying about this church that he's writing to. Cool. So, the first thing Paul mentions here is that before God... This church are working, and the work they're doing is all done through faith, all prompted in love, all endured in the hope of Jesus. Everything this church are doing is built on the hope of the resurrection and is working through love and faith. They're not doing anything for money. At least that's not the main thing they're doing it for. Um... And Paul goes on to say, if you know, in verse 5, that the gospel came to the church, not just with words, which of course are important, but with spiritual power and deep conviction. And this is a really important thing for us as, as listeners this morning and people who go to church to just think about. Is our faith just a faith that is reasoned out in words? But has there been a deep life-changing conviction that has come across our heart and changed us in power. Now Paul goes on to say that the church copied the way he was, and him and his um, his group of people who came. Um, and the way he explains this, if you look at these verses, is that they welcomed them in the midst of suffering and still had joy in the spirit. And that is the model that they are showing to all the churches in the region. Do we, in the middle of severe suffering, live joyfully? Remember, that's not the same as living happily, but it is living in a way that says, I have positive hope in something else. Because that is the Christian model that is at work here. And Paul goes on to say that, look, the church's faith is so strong. It has been, you know, it's become known everywhere. And he doesn't even need to say anything about it. You know, it's other people that are reporting to Paul how loving and caring, kind and compassionate that church is. Um, because their example is so strong. They're turning away from, you know, their local gods and idols to serve the God of heaven. Um, and their conversion is so honest and true that Paul doesn't need to use any words here, he doesn't need to use anything flowery. He literally says, look, you guys are living the true, legitimate faith. Now, have a think about our life, and our church, and then our families. Our faith should not be a private thing. Our faith should be something that people who have no interest in the church are reporting, hey, 
these people have something that is genuine and different and good that they can't put a finger on. That's the kind of thing we should be pointing out. That's the kind of thing we should be aiming for. And it all comes through joy given by the Holy Spirit. And that key verse there is in verse 6. Welcoming, severe suffering, joy of the Holy Spirit. That was an easy first chapter. Okay, so jumping straight on into chapter 2. Paul goes on to give an explanation to you know, his past ministry in Thessalonica, which is where this letter takes place. Um, he mentions that their visit wasn't without results, and it is with the help of God that they dared to tell the gospel in the face of strong opposition. And I want to just stop us there to just, just, just ask this out. In our small group the other day, we were talking about times when we might have turned away from God's call. Not turned away from God, but you know, heard God's call and gone, no, that's too much for me. I, and I know that for a lot of us, we'll go through our life and think there could have been a time when I could have witnessed and I didn't. And I, and I strongly think that a lot of the time the problem is we are seeking methods and examples and times where we would obviously fall into a, a position of witnessing in our own strength and not what he says here in verse 2 with the help of God, because it's with the help of God they dare to tell the gospel in the face of strong opposition. It's not in their own strength. Why don't you spend a few moments and read verse 3 all the way down to verse 7, and just think about what stands out to you, what appeals to you about these verses, and what is striking to you. So in here, Paul is just giving a bit of his credentials, and he's saying we're not trying to please people. They're not trying to please people, but they're trying to please God, because God tests the heart. And he uses the example, he says, we don't use flattery, we don't put on a mask to cover up greed, and as God is our witness, we're not looking for praise from people, not even from you, not even, you know, even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted the authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. And this is such a great model for us to follow. As Christians, we should not be trying to please people first, but God. And remember, if we're trying to please God, we will end up loving people and caring for people. But if we try and please people first, look at the kind of things that can happen. We can start compromising our values, compromising our morals, compromising ourselves. If we're seeking praise from people as well, remember... At some point, you'll never have enough. You'll never be able to find full contentment if you're only seeking praise from people. And this is a fundamental flaw if you spend too much time seeking validation through social media. You can't find, you can't get enough of it. And then Paul goes on to remind them again and again and again that because they, they he was, he loved them, they shared not just God, not just the gospel. They didn't just go and share the word of God, but look at verse nine, um, verse eight. They shared their lives, and in verse nine he says, "Look, remember that we toiled. There was hardship. We worked night and day not to be a burden to you while we preached." And and as a Christian, we shouldn't just be there to say the words of God. 
we should be in the lives of people so that they can look at us and go, hey, they're working alongside us. They're working really hard. They are not a burden to us. Maybe I will actually listen to these words that they are saying. Um, and in verse 10, he asks the church to remember that they are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless they were among those who believed. So have a think for a second. As Christians, do we speak the word of God and then distance ourselves? Or are we speaking the word of God, but then going further than that and actually toiling and living and working night and day amongst the people we're preaching to? If you read a little bit further on, read down to the end of verse 16 because Paul here makes a bit of a distinction there um, he says that the brothers and sisters who became imitators of God's church in Judea which are in Christ Jesus suffered from their own people and and this is a really important point the Christians who are legitimate were willing to work and suffer from their own people for this faith. They didn't just become Christians and go back to being exactly who they were before. They were suffering from their own people. And Paul mentions that the people who are attacking the church are the people who displease God um, and are keeping them from trying to speak. And it says, The wrath of God has come upon them as last, at last. And the end of chapter 2, he just mentions how much he is longing to see those people in Thessalonica. He says at the end, you are our glory and our joy. And he says, we wanted to come to you, and certainly I did again and again try and come to you, um, but he was blocked. And this is one of those things that Paul is not really sure why he's being blocked from coming. This happens again when he tries to get to Rome again and again and he has to go a long way around. Sometimes what we want most to do will be either blocked or turned aside from God if we have something more important. And we were talking about this last night when we were talking about Jonah, that Jonah... He runs away from his calling and God continuously tries to turn him back to it. And that's not saying that God does not allow us free will. You know, Paul wants to go and see the Thessalonians and he's blocked. Well, does that mean he doesn't have free will? No. But Paul, like Jonah, you, you have to, if you know God and you have a deep calling, God might have a more important path for you to take that calling to. So if you are really talented when it comes to, I'm not sure, music, and you really, really, really want to become a famous musician, God might block your way to that if you will be much more useful and much more helpful to the church, if your talent will be used to inspire other people in music, for instance. And so Paul here, he wants to see the Thessalonians. And it's not that God is cruel in not allowing him to. He makes every effort to go and see them. 
but he's not allowed to. And the only reason we can assume is that there is something else he has to do instead, that this church don't need him to come and see them. They are actually getting on quite well, and this letter is going to do them justice. He can do something else. So perhaps think about what you are talented at. What is your gift? And perhaps if you're wondering where your calling is going or whether you've been blocked in certain ways, perhaps spend some time today praying and, and seeking out God and knowing God. Because when you know God, you'll be able to better figure out where you're being directed with your talent. And uh, next week we'll look at chapters 3 and 4.